Hey, what's going on, guys? Your host of the most, George McKay. I'm in the building. And today I have a super special guest, a man who was gracious enough to meet me after he's been up two days, super tired. I appreciate him being here. Mr. Jan Murphy. How are you, sir? Very well, thank you. A little bit tired. I, I was one of the Avengers Endgame uh, late show people last night, uh, followed by an early TV appearance this morning, so really just didn't really sleep much. Super bad. Yeah, my daughter and I are going tomorrow, so uh, no nice. spoilers. <laughs> no, no, no. You're going you're gonna to love it. It's, it's everything. It's perfect. Perfect. That's, it's good to hear when, it's, when you hear that a movie is perfect. Absolutely perfect. All right, so Jan, one of the first questions we always ask everybody is, where did your love from wrestling start? Uh, for me, I was uh, when we lived in a village called Camden East, which is uh, sort of, I guess, n northwest of Kingston. I grew up, and it's a little tiny village. My parents lived close to my mom's sister, and we were visiting there one day. And my uncle had this thing on the TV, and I saw this, and I was like, what is this? I sat down, I watched it, and I was just captivated by it. And it actually was WrestleMania two. Uh, I would I would learn a you know, much later in my life. Uh, but that was, uh, that was kind of, it, it had me right away. I went to school and I asked my buddies, you know, have any of you guys seen this? And some of them had, and the next thing you know, we used to go into my buddy Rob Plumley's basement for all the pay-per-views and his parents would get the, get the pay-per-view and there'd be six or eight of us down there watching it. And we do it in the schoolyard and you know, I used to beat up my late brother with moves, and <laughs> I just kind of, you know, my my parents used to take us grocery shopping, and uh, there was a a mall with a grocery store where we used to go in Napanee, and they had a store there called the Met, and mom would always give us some money so they could shop in peace, and now that I'm a parent, I totally know why. Uh, shopping with kids is the worst kind of shopping, especially grocery shopping. So they would give us money, and we'd run down to the the Met, and they at that time had the LJN figures, uh, of which I still have almost the full collection. Uh, and I would sit there for forever trying to decide which one I wanted. And yeah, that <clears throat> for me that was my earliest, uh, you know, my earliest wrestling memories, and just grew from there. Do you have a like a favorite match? Like it's hard to narrow down when you've been a fan as long as you and I have. But do you have a, a favorite match or a couple of favorite matches that really stand out to you? Yeah, I, I just posted recently that I was watching my favorite match of all time with uh, Brett the Hitman Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin with special guest referee Ken Shamrock. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that I like that match, but the story that it told uh, was you know, was so good. The fact that it was a catalyst for the, you know, the rise of the Attitude Era was was a bonus. And now, you know, Ken Shamrock's a good friend of mine, so it has a little bit more special meaning uh, at this point in my life as well. But that one is is my favorite match of all time. Uh, you know, I like Austin, Shawn Michaels, Mike Tyson. You know, a lot of the stuff that went on in those days, I, I really enjoyed. But that, that Brett one stands out for me. Yeah, I mean, the Attitude Era was just the glory days of wrestling. And it's it's not that we haven't had some special moments now. It's just that it's kind of lost the translation. The rosters are so big. 
and there's so much to focus on. Like, especially in the WWE world, you've got Raw, three hours, SmackDown, two, maybe going to three from what I'm reading online, NXT, NXT UK, 205. It's hard to find the time, really, to focus on one thing. You've got to try to keep your hand in everything, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I uh, I remind myself often that I have a skewed uh, view of wrestling because of my memories of of the time that time in my life, right? I mean, that time in my life, I was a teenager. I was you know hormone ravaged, you know adolescent, teen, you know crazy. That kind of stuff was was right up my alley, right? I mean, I and I was I was just starting to work and you know start to be a man here i am watching this guy beat up his boss and so it's it's really difficult i I remind myself sometimes to to look at the look around and see how the the crowds are interacting today especially the young people and i think they look at it the same way as i did you know my kids do i know that my daughters look at it with wide eyes and uh you know just stars in their eyes i have to keep myself grounded and remind myself once in a while that it's not any better or or worse today than it was when I grew up. I've just I'm 42. I'm not 18 anymore. What I liked then, you know, isn't what I like now. So you mentioned that your daughter is falling in love with it very quickly. Um, do they have their favorites? Like, do you guys have debates about who you think is the best right now? Uh, my oldest daughter's. Uh, absolutely crazy about it right now i mean she she loves Rhonda. she's so upset that uh, ronda has gone on hiatus that she you know refuses to even acknowledge it uh she also <laughs> <laughs> she also loves uh aj styles right now she's way into aj styles stuff i mean aj's a terrific performer i'm again just 10 year old daughter it's hard for me to put myself in her shoes but i know um you know, she she likes to watch AJ's matches. They don't like Samoa Joe. Uh, Not a lot of people do uh, these days. <laughs> you know, my youngest daughter really likes Braun Strowman because he picked her up at uh, at a house show we went to a few months ago and gave her a hug. And it's it's things like that, right? I mean, my kids get a special privileges that other kids don't get because I'm so close with Natty and WWE in general. I get to take my kids backstage and they get to meet, you know, Ronda Rousey and all the women's and other stars. So it's a bit of a, I, I try to tell them all the time, you know, you don't have the same view as other kids do. You get to do things that others don't get to do. And hopefully one day they, they realize that. Uh, but yeah, that that's kind of, you know, we, we watch matches and we see different things. I mean, women's matches, they, they love, the women's matches they'll watch every minute of every women's match the men's matches they'll watch them it depends on who's in it and you know how long the match goes and things like that yeah for sure my nine-year-old daughter she's obsessed with the women she's all about sasha banks bailey she she every pay-per-view we don't let her stay up so thankfully the women's matches are not too late in the card except for wrestlemania she did get to stay up late she was super tired the next day but it was worth it 
So in terms of, I guess, your relationship with WWE, you are very close. I was actually following you on Facebook when you were at WrestleMania. That was just wild. Some of the amazing things you got to see and do and interact. In terms of um, your relationship with them, you do a lot of like blogging and reviews on all the pay-per-views, if I'm not mistaken, correct? I work at Leonard and Kingston, which is a daily uh, newspaper, the oldest here in Canada, actually. So I started writing about it when I got here. Because, again, like I said, I came here in 1998. And I started here full-time in 1999, which was the height of the Attitude Era. Stone Cold, The Rock, The Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, you know, so on and so forth. So I convinced the editor here at the time that uh, wrestling was big enough and mainstream enough that it deserved a presence in, in the paper. And uh, after a short battle with the uh, sports editor, at the time, we, we did uh, start publishing a regular weekly column on uh, the WWE, basically. Uh, it started off with me, just my thoughts, my observations and thoughts and, you know, news and views on uh, what was happening on TV every week. And over the course of time, um, you know, having a column in a daily newspaper in Canada was one of the few regular wrestling dedicated features in print at the time. So I got, I finally started to get a little bit of, uh, you know, attention from WWE and, you know, I w at first I was requesting interviews and being denied. Uh, I could, you know, when I look back now, I can totally get it. At the time it was kind of a bummer, but uh, eventually they trusted me enough and I developed a, a relationship when they had offices here in Canada. Uh, to the point where, you know, they threw me the odd telephone interview here and there. And then I started going covering live events, covered my first WrestleMania when it was in uh, 18, was in Toronto, covered the SummerSlam in 2003, I think, four, two, three, four, somewhere in there. And uh, I used to go up and cover all the house shows and they would, you know, start to give me more and more access to the talent. My column ran for about five years weekly. And when it stopped, I still kept writing wrestling features once in a while if they would be coming through town or something was offered to me through WWE. I just kept my contacts with them. And I guess it was around the time that Edge retired that I began to fully immerse myself back in wrestling feature writing again. Because uh, by then I would, I'd become an editor at the paper and I had a little bit uh, more time to to do the side project and the the passion had returned again because I was enjoying, you know, still enjoying watching wrestling and I developed uh, a love for writing by that point. So that's how I sort of began to cover it. And then five years ago, um, the opportunity to go cover WrestleMania was was offered to me by the Toronto Sun editor when the regular people decided to take a pass. And uh, I went down there with the intent of impressing WWE and making sure that before I left, everybody knew who I was. And that's what I did. And they've wanted me back every year since. And uh, I have great friends who work in the you know media relations and international relations and PR and creative <laughs> guerrilla position in the ring. Uh, 
it's 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 been it's been awesome. I, I I love WWE. I love the people who work there, and I still love wrestling like I did when I was you know six and seven years old. It, it's pretty cool when you can carry that kind of passion forward for a long-standing period of life. Myself, I've been a wrestling fan. My earliest memory was watching WrestleMania six on my uncle's TV. Uh, Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior for the title. It was just these larger-than-life characters. And the fact that you've passed that down in the family, much as I have, it's pretty cool. I kind of feel a budding bromance here. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, it's been... Uh been interesting it's been a it's been a fun uh, life for sure so um i think one of the things i wanted to talk to you most about was um chinlock and how all these exciting things you're doing are happening you've got one great event that i know of coming up june 15th you've got kind of a collection of legends if you will coming down to kingston i believe it's the leon center if i'm not mistaken correct yeah it's on tragically yeah, hip right. uh tragically hip way or Boulevard, yep. uh, and you've, yep. you've got some amazing guys coming. Like you got Brett the Hitman Hart coming down. I believe Arden Anderson's coming down. I also think you've got some matches in the works with like Tommy Dreamer. These guys are making appearances. So uh, how did this all kind of come to fruition? How did you put this all together? Well, Chinlock itself, I've, I've told the story before. Um, I was approached by a friend of mine who just asked me to have coffee and wanted to pick my brain about having some kind of event happen around Christmas time uh, to, that could raise some money for a charity or some, you know, help out a local charity. And I, I said, well, you know, I'm a big proponent of pro wrestling at the time. There hadn't been a, a an independent wrestling promotion doing much in Kingston. So I, there was a promoter out of Cornwall who, had been running a few shows in and around Kingston, so I just introduced them. That was my role in things, and um, that promoter said that he would like to, you know, help them put together an event. And as far as I knew, everything was rolling together. That that was probably in around like September of that year, four years ago, I guess. And I was down with Tommy Dreamer at uh, House of Hardcore in New York. Uh, and I left his house to drive home, and my phone rang. <laughs> and she was telling me that he was pulling, the promoter was pulling the pin on the show. You know, being the kind of person I am, I felt some responsibility for introducing them. So I told her to leave it with me. I made a call to my Chinlock uh, business partner and best friend, uh, Justin Cousineau, and said, Look, you know, I had an involvement in this show. I helped bring these people together. I feel a responsibility. Let's try and save this. So just during that drive home, uh, he was able to put together a card and get us a ring. And I started calling in favors of people I'd done features on or um, helped, you know, promote events for over the years. We brought down Ron Hutchison. We trained Edge and, Kish, uh, Edge and Christian and Trish and a um, number of others. And Spenny, who's a friend of mine, through again wrestling, life is wrestling. I always say that. And Jimmy Corderas, who I'd done a feature on, and uh, we pulled that one out of the fire and raised a few thousand dollars in the process. Uh, enjoyed it so much, I said, "Let's do it again." And that's when we decided to introduce a legend. It was in year two, and we brought the million dollar man, Teddy DiBiase, up and uh, <clears throat> had a 
wonderful time with him. We raised like about $8,000 in the second year. And then for the third year, we brought up Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And that was the, that was the turning point for us. Uh, Ricky was a huge draw. We had over 700 people show up. Uh, we raised like $11,000 for charity that year. And uh, last year we, we did it at Queens. We had a, about a thousand people come out. And or sorry, the Ricky year, yeah, we raised over twenty thousand dollars. And last year we raised uh, forty, about forty thousand dollars. Wow! Total to with the show. And uh, last year was when this event for this year had been sort of come into being put together. I I had the idea. I managed to come sort of run my vision by everyone who was part of the committee that we you know, that we have here for the Chinlock stuff. And everybody was on board if we could get the venue, first of all, and uh, find some kind of funding to offset costs. So luckily I was, you know, I have friends in the city from my 20 years of working in the newspaper, and a lot of people stepped in and helped make this possible. The Leon's uh, owner has... Uh, dates in his contract with the naming rights that allow him to donate the venue for uh, charitable purposes. So he has graciously donated uh, the venue to us this year. So we have this 7,000 seat arena, which is costing us almost nothing. Um, another, the, the Kinsman club of Kingston uh, stepped in with a, with a huge financial commitment to this, to this event, Canadian tire, the same thing. I mean, the only reason this is happening is because of the generosity of the of people in the community. This this show was in my head for a few years since I was at one of these types of events, and uh, I've just been lucky. It's been a lot of good things falling into place to help me to you know work with this group of people to bring the show to Kingston. So yeah, it's a it's a wrestling legends convention during the day and. Then, uh, wrestling show teaming up with the house of hardcore in the evening well it must be so cool when you see like the vision that you have in your head coming full force and seeing all the passion of everyone else around you to make it happen that's got to be a surreal feeling for you yeah it's it's pretty humbling i mean some days when i get pretty stressed out about this thing because it's just bigger than I ever could have imagined. And there's so many things all the time that need to be dealt with. But then I sit in a room sometimes with three or four or five other people who help me with this. And, you know, we all prop each other up. We all, uh, you know, make sure that, that everyone's doing what they have to do and that we're staying organized and we're staying on top. And everybody just believes that this event will succeed and it will um, raise a lot of money for charity because these events are fully uh, charitable. I, I don't take anything. Justin doesn't take anything out of this. All the money that's raised above what we spend to put the events on uh, goes to youth diversion. Uh, and we always involve, you know, a few other local charities as well. We uh, community this year. Uh, as well as our secondary. We've had the Kingston Military Family Resource Center. We've had Hands of Hope. We've had a lot of different uh, 
local charities, and that that's what I like. They're all they all revolve around helping children and young people and troubled people. So it that that's really the motivation for us and uh, what we all work toward with, with this. The fact that you know I get to bring in uh, my heroes and you know I've said a lot a lot of times I, I might be the face of Chenlock, but everyone else is the heart. I mean, you know, I get to go out and be the guy who speaks on everyone else's behalf. And a lot of people think that I'm the owner, but a lot of people behind the scenes who make this uh, make this happen. It just happens to be I'm the guy who uh, who does a lot of the talking. Well, it's a great event, and it's an amazing. Uh, when I saw it on online, I was like, you know what, I I, I got to sit down with this individual because he's got so much passion for the business, but also all the other little things he's doing, and everyone that's pitching in. I think it's a great cause, and I want to applaud you and everybody else involved in it because I think it's one hell of a thing you guys are doing. Well, thank you. It's uh, it's very rewarding, and it might be a lot of work, and some days it might have me second-guessing myself or wondering if I've bitten off more than I can chew, but it's it's so fun and it's so, I've learned so much. I know so much about running a major event now, not only a wrestling event, a major event in general. All the, I mean, there is so much that goes on behind the scenes that you never could imagine you'd have to deal with that you deal with, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the little things like not forgetting to get lanyards for volunteers and, you know, you're dealing with insurance and you're dealing with having to make sure you have security and you have to have, you know, volunteers in certain numbers and you have to make sure everybody's working shifts. And then there's putting together the convention part, the ticketing, ticketing is a, a real pain in the butt. Yeah. I have to tell you that, uh, um, you know, down to making sure that the food is right. And, you know, you want to make sure what you offer that you can deliver. And that's always been a thing for me with this show. Right from day one, tickets to our events have always been $10. They're still $10, though I have I don't have control over the fees on top of tickets this year. It is what it is, right? goes through Ticketmaster. Those fees are non-negotiable. The city has fees because it's a city-owned and run venue but bottom line of the money that you pay for those tickets that ten dollars for those general admission tickets goes to charity our seats are 25 bucks vip packages are 150 or 200 dollars you get to meet every one of our legends you get one autograph and one picture with each for 200 bucks it's unheard of i mean i look at comic-con prices and I mean, Ring of Honor's coming to Toronto, and they're charging more than I'm charging to meet Arn and Tully. So, uh, you know, we we built this around goodwill, uh, generosity, and being attainable for everyone. I want people to be able to bring their, you know, their girlfriend, their husband, their wife, their kids, you know, their neighbors, and come out and have a good time. Um, you know, the hardcores. We'll, we'll get the uh, the VIPs. We know that. Um, I don't know of anywhere else for $200 you can meet uh, Bret Hart, Arnon Tully, Tommy Dreamer, Billy and Hornswoggle, Mark Henry, <laughs> Jimmy Corderas, Jimmy Hart, everyone for, for, for 200 bucks. You know, you, you get an autograph. You can bring your own stuff. We don't have 
any rules against belts and premium pricing and all that other nonsense that you see at a lot of these places. It's uh, it's it's good, you know. Sixty bucks just to you know, Brett will sign anything for you. That's that's always been what we've done. We have Ricky Steamboat here, Vicky Guerrero, T.J. Wilson. He made a twenty dollar donation charity. You got to go in and meet them and get a and get an autograph. It's, that's what it's about, right? Connecting with the community. That's that's incredible. And are a lot of the tickets still on sale? Like, do you still have a lot of the VIP packages available? Yeah, and all that stuff, and everything's available on Ticketmaster, right? Yeah, or you, if you live here in Kingston or near Kingston, you can come and buy it in person, save yourself those fees. But yes, we have about sixty-five uh, VIP level one tickets left. I'm not sure of the number on uh, Headliner. I won't get my next update until uh, next week, and I'm not sure on the VIP level two. I think probably about fifty level two. And then we we still have. I'm not worried about the Brett Headliner package yet, but uh, you know you can you can pay for fifteen dollars in any of the other legends. You need the Headliner ticket for Brett. Everyone else: Arn Tully, Dreamer, Mark Henry, Billy Gunn, Hornswoggle, Jimmy Hart, Jimmy Corderas, uh, Tugboat. They're all fifteen bucks each. You know, if you want to just pick and pick and pay, fifteen bucks or you know, you can buy three for 15 and get a, a ticket to the wrestling show at night. The VIP package packages come with a ticket to the evening wrestling show as well. Front row or a second row seat with the VIP level one, and you get a general admission ticket with VIP level two. Wow, that's the deals are crazy. So anybody that's going to be listening to this when it drops, I'm sure there's still going to be tickets available. So make sure you guys run out and get it, support it. It's a great cause. Uh, one other thing I did want to talk to you about, if you're okay for time, which we are, we're only about 25 minutes now. Um, the state of wrestling as it is right now, there's so much out there, as we talked about earlier, The not just in the uh, WWE umbrella, but everywhere. You got Ring of Honor, you got Impact, it's kind of redefining itself, and you got AEW kind of creeping in. We'll see what they're about as May 25th gets closer. But looking at the state of wrestling now, do you feel that it's more of an exciting time than the Attitude Era? Mind the storylines, but everything that's kind of percolating, it's almost wrestling is is very, very pop culture and relevant again. I mean, it did lose a step here and there, but right now, it's so hot. I mean, the way I always explain it to people is I say, Look at WWE as an example. WWE, you know, was in a war with WCW. And we've heard all the the stories about how they were almost out of money and the Mike Tyson gamble and things like this. But back then, you know, wrestling companies, as good as wrestling was, wrestling companies were fighting for their survival. They needed TV deals. They needed to be on networks, and we still see it. Network deals are great. TV deals are still great. TV is still a very relevant um, medium to be, especially for wrestling. But they were they were fighting for their survival. The WWE now is a multi-billion-dollar worldwide company. That I mean, what what our little bubble of what we see here in North America and how we pick it apart sometimes has me scratching my head because if you watch 
you know, some of the other shows that they do overseas, even the Saudi Arabia show, for all the controversy that uh, that comes with, if you look at the fans and you see the large number to, to, to watch this, they're just starting to tap into these markets, India, China, Japan, I mean, no other wrestling companies are, are in these markets, and WWE is now in there, and it's it's incredible. It's it's just what WWE does, and just how monstrous that company is on a global scale is it almost impossible to get your head around, and and it's actually opened the door for all these other companies to exist. In the 90s, WWE would have shut down AEW before they even thought of it getting off the ground. They would have shut down Ring of Honor. They would have shut down Impact. They would have shut down you know, Billy Corgan's company, <laughs> the NWA. It's, it's happening now because there's, there's room out there because WWE has laid the groundwork and did the legwork to make wrestling a mainstream everyday part of our lives. There's not a single soul that I've ever encountered who I've said, you know, oh, you know, I read a wrestling column or I go cover wrestling thing to it, who hasn't said to me, oh, I used to watch wrestling. Every human being on this, you know, in this part of the world has heard of wrestling, has watched wrestling, and at one point probably called consider themselves a fan. So it's all built to where we are today, which is incredible. You know, I, I love NXT. I, I, I enjoy I'm excited for AEW because it looks like it's going to offer something very different. Um, and, and different is good. If, if different makes everybody else work harder to be better, then that's good. WWE is huge. They don't have to work as hard for you know to make money as everybody else does if you don't make money you don't survive um so yeah i mean it's it's so healthy right now and yeah you hear triple h with his pissant remark and they're, they're bothered by AEW, and it looks like you know some talent may in fact sasha banks dean ambrose some of the talent that are leaving WWE or wanting to leave WWE could turn up at AEW, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing for the fan. It's a good thing for the business. And I mean, I look just here in Ontario, uh, the fact that there's, there is a wrestling company in so many smaller markets now that didn't have one Cornwall's back stronger than it's probably ever been with Seaway Valley smash in toronto toronto has what five or six wrestling companies just in toronto alone now all seem to do very well retached there's a there's a whole bunch uh, smash is spread into you know neighboring markets there's a couple of wrestling companies in hamilton uh it, it, quebec is is strong again the east coast is, is strong again it, it's it's terrific and there's some for everyone to work now. Not, well, there's nothing wrong with that at all. 
do you do you feel like because there's you know all the keyboard warriors out there that are constantly conspiracy theoring online? Do you see another possible Monday Night War happening with AEW announcing the TV deal going at on Tuesdays around the same time as SmackDown? Do you see something kind of possibly budding there in your opinion? I don't because, and I've said this many times, until AEW has is a publicly traded company that has, you know, holds shows in markets around the world the way that WWE does, you know, is a is a billion dollar company based on its revenue and not based on its owner being a billionaire. There is no competition. Um, WWE moving to Friday nights with a new TV deal with Fox. I mean, that's, that's huge. Uh, you know, raw is raw. Everyone always watches raw. The internet people can complain all they want about the, the creative and, you know, but the fact that it's a three hour raw, but the, 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 the truth of the matter is WWE has no competitor and it won't have a competitor for a long, long time. AEW is no different than Impact or Ring of Honor. It's a small startup company that, you know, has a little bit more access to money. And even with a good TV deal, that doesn't guarantee anything. It, uh, Impact had a great TV deal at one time on Spike. And look where it is today. Uh, that said, I like what I'm hearing so far. I like Cody. Cody's got a good head on his shoulders. So do the Bucks. They're they're all very well liked and respected. Um, I just think sometimes fans feel so passionately about either the company they love or the company they hate that they kind of lose sight of reality. And the reality, <laughs> the reality is. You know, the WWE is a multi-billion dollar worldwide company. It's, it's, it has no competitor on that level. And it would, it would take AEW 20, 30 years to get to that level. That said, I, I think any competition is healthy. And if the, the content is good, then that, that, that's a win for everyone. You know, the example I give is, I mean, we're Canadian, we live in Canada, and, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say I don't know who some of the AEW talent are, because I do only because I do this for a living, but I can tell you, probably 950 out of 951 Canadians will have no idea who Kenny Omega is, and, you know, that's just reality. But 999 out of 1,000 probably have heard of Chris Jericho. They've definitely heard of John Cena. You know, that's the difference for me. Kenny Omega is a great talent, but honest to God, hardly anyone knows who he is. And that, those are the things that AEW is facing. They've got to do it the right way, do it slowly, you know, keep keep being different because I, I hear Natty say this all the time and her dad told her always be different and that's what makes you successful in wrestling look at all the successful 
you know, major stars who could always reinvent themselves. Think about Triple H. He's reinvented himself time again. Undertaker reinvents himself. Stone Cold Steve Austin reinvented himself. Hulk Hogan was a great example of somebody who could always reinvent himself. And that WWE has always reinvented itself as a company. We started with the you know cartoon-like characters in the 80s when it took off and became became mainstream. Then we moved into an edgier time, the Attitude Era, because those kids who were watching it when they were eight or nine were like, were like you and me, right? They were 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and you know, tugboat wasn't as appealing, you know, as Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then they reinvented themselves again and now they've reinvented themselves again and i think that's that's what aew has to do they have to you know stay fresh stay relevant and uh, stay creative say what you want about storylines and things not you know creative not being great but wwe knows how to market itself better than anyone that is true. And um, one of the the best things that surprised me the most about this year's WrestleMania was when I looked at the match card when it first all kind of came out, I was a little bit on the fence. I was. I was like, it's not a great card, but it's not a bad card. But then they did this amazing thing where they surprised the crap out of me on almost every turn. The Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar match happening right at the tail start of everything. Um, the Revival losing their titles. I'm a big Revival guy. Then you had Kofi. You had John Cena return as Dr. Thugonomics. It was just, this year's WrestleMania was such a breath of fresh air. It was incredible. If you had to pick a moment being there, what would you say was your favorite moment of this year's WrestleMania? If you could pick one, narrow one down. The show itself? Yeah. Or the entire week? Let's just go with the show uh, itself, because I know you were there the whole week. The, the show itself, I mean... History was made, right? I mean, there were lots of cool things that happened throughout the night, but that main event, uh, you know, Ronda Rousey being who she is, the crossover appeal that she brought to WWE with her, the enthusiasm, the ties to Rowdy Rowdy Piper. I mean, um, she just she just grabbed and you know the ball and ran with it, and she captured the imaginations of people and she made all the girls better because she brought that legitimacy. Uh, we like legitimacy in, in wrestling because so many times in our existences and in our lives as wrestling fans, we have to put up with people telling us that it's not real. And when someone like Ronda Rousey comes into the world, again, I'm, I'm pretty glad I was there to, uh, to, to witness that even, even though the finish didn't go as as well as I think they all had wanted. And you were talking about the main so, event and that everything was, how great it was, the finish yeah. was subpar. But if there was another bright spot that could come out to you, for me it was Kofi Kingston. Seeing him win was just incredible. That was a huge, I loved everything they did. I loved the build of the story. I loved the twist and the turns they did. That was a huge one for me. And, and seeing an 11-year workhorse finally get his due, that was incredible. Would you agree with me on that, or is there something else that stands out to you? No, that that was tremendous. I mean, it it had it had reminded me so much of Daniel Bryan's rise, you know, several years ago, when you know they were bucking conventional thinking and you know traditional, you know, tradition. I mean, Vince McMahon, and you know, loves big 
burly Brock Lesnar type wrestlers, uh, Drew McIntyre, and uh, you know Daniel Bryan broke through, and the Kofi was just it was just magic this year watching how that all came to be. He was a fill in, you know, due to an injury to Mustafa Ali, and you know here we are weeks later, and he's in and he's in there with Daniel Bryan, which I thought was just perfect. Um, you know, been hearing lots about Daniel Bryan. Uh, having re-injured his his head and neck because we haven't seen him since so for those two to be in the ring together making and that was the part that i think was lost in the kofi stuff was how good daniel bryan was in all of that because as you know you're only good and you only succeed in wrestling if your opponent makes makes it work too and i thought that kofi was amazing but working with Daniel Bryan made him even more amazing because Daniel Bryan, to me, is a, an elite talent in wrestling, and he possesses skills that other people do not. Daniel Bryan is, you know, right at the top of uh, the most talented wrestlers alive today. So for me, it was it was a great pairing. It was magic, and it was the perfect ending at WrestleMania. And that could have been the main event. Uh, just as easily as as the women were, and let you know, sent the crowd home just as happy. Awesome. Well, Jen, uh, thank you very much for taking the time out. I know you're super bagged. I appreciate you taking the time out. And uh, if you ever want to do it again, you are more than welcome. You are now officially uh, a member of the Straight Todd Wrestling family. We'd love to have you on anytime you're available. Anytime you want to call me up and say, George, let's just shoot the shit again. I would absolutely love that. Ditto. Anytime you wanna you want to chat or you want some thoughts on something or you. Um, uh, yeah, for sure. And we'll hope to see you down here for uh, June the 15th and, uh, you know, we can have, we have a fun night and, uh, do some good for the community at the same time. Absolutely. I am, uh, I am working on getting, uh, stuff together to go down there. So I will definitely try my hardest to get out there because I do want to definitely get something signed by Brett the Hitman Hart. I mean, I had his glasses as a kid. I kind of became a Shawn Michaels <laughs> fan later on, but I don't want to tell him that. I'm not going to tell him that. I'm going to say I was always a Hitman <laughs> fan. <laughs> I don't all right, Jen, thank you so much, and look forward to hearing from you soon. All right, thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, guys, so that was Jan Murphy. Man, that was a great interview, great uh, great time. Uh, I'm glad that uh, I was able to talk to him and, and pick his brain on so many things and pick up that amazing event he's got happening June 15th in Kingston. Uh, tickets are still available. They're on Ticketmaster, so don't hesitate to go down there. It's going to be super epic, super amazing. And I know for a fact there's a lot of Straight Talk followers that are already booked and going down there. And I, myself, will make that promise. I'm going to go down there for that day and check everything out uh, as as best I can, as long as nothing conflicts with uh, you know personal life, family life, work life, all that kind of stuff. As always, I'm your host, George McKay. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we'll have another great episode. So stay tuned, stay faithful. And stay always straight talk. Thank you guys very much. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Also, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. Wrestling!